It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you, hoping we found each and every one of you in good form and that you had a nice, relaxing and a happy weekend. Can I stay on weather and news of weather for a moment? Because we may have had the longest day of the year yesterday, which means we're right in the middle of the summer season. But the weather, unfortunately, nobody has told the weather that we're in the middle of summer and it really is kind of misbehaving at the moment and it's going to continue to misbehave till at least Thursday. If you're planning anything out doors this week I would be suggesting you hold off until Thursday because we've got these scattered showers expected across most parts of the country over the next few days Thursday though should see good spells of sunshine and we should see temperatures between 20, could go up to 23 degrees on uh, Thursday which is something to look forward to and then the early indications are that the rain will be back with us on Friday and that is in stark contrast to what's happening across the water to our neighbours in Britain. They are in the midst of a heat wave and they're going to have temperatures this week that's actually putting them higher than the Bahamas. On Wednesday parts of Britain will see temperatures rise to a sweltering 33 degrees and uh, it'll be 30 degrees uh, for practically every day this week in uh, Britain. Anyway, we can just dream that some of that sunshine might head our way but Thursday certainly the best of the weather for this uh, week. And just can go from that kind of a gloomy story just to a happy story because I saw lovely photographs in the Examiner and in the Echo today of young Daniel O'Sullivan from the Meadows in Holly Hill. Young Daniel is the little boy that we have been talking about after a number of weeks ago we spoke with his mother Deirdre who launched a birthday card appeal for little Daniel because it's his 10th birthday and actually his 10th birthday is this week. It's actually on Wednesday. The It's Wednesday the 24th it is 24th of June and she he's, he's a great little kid. He was never expected expected to reach his 10th birthday so it's a real milestone in their house and he looks like now he's going to quite soon be going on the double lung transplant uh, list but he's a real little battler and obviously they can't have the 10th birthday 
that they had hoped to have, you know, a big party, big celebration. So Deirdre came up with what could I do? What could she do to kind of cheer him up and just to make him feel a little bit special on his 10th birthday? And she came up with this idea of putting out the call. Would anybody like to send my son a birthday card? So we had a lovely chat uh, with her. And I know a lot of our listeners have sent on birthday cards because I don't think there's a day goes by that we don't have somebody ring or text to say, what's that little boy's address again? Which, by the way, is 22 Meadow Green, the Meadows in Holly Hill in Cork. And you have today and tomorrow to put a card in the post so that it would arrive on time for his birthday on Wednesday. But he's back in the papers today thanks to the members of the Cork's biker community who delivered birthday cards to Daniel yesterday. And there's just gorgeous, gorgeous photographs in the Echo and actually there's a report in the Echo about young Daniel and lovely photographs on the back page of the Examiner today showing a very, very happy young Daniel along with his mum Deirdre all smiles as the bikes start to arrive and it seems they are a bit of a biker family which I didn't know uh, about. Deirdre said that um, the family regularly before lockdown obviously would go out on dirt bikes at the weekend and, and she thinks that's probably one of the reasons why the biker community got to hear about young Daniel. But they were, I think they dropped off something like 150 birthday cards and I know he appeared in the paper a couple of weeks ago and you could see him surrounded by all the cards and it looks like, I don't know whether he's holding all the cards to wait to open them on Wednesday or not and we're going to put a call through to Deirdre just to see if we can have a quick chat with her on the day itself. But there's great there's lovely pictures if you have been following that story and as I say I know so many Many of our listeners have been following that story. If you pick up the papers uh, today, you get to see young Daniel, who just looks so well, so well, except that you can see the little tubes for the oxygen, because obviously he's permanently on uh, oxygen. You wouldn't think there's anything wrong with the little fella at all. It's, it, it really is uh, lovely. And Wednesday is going to be such a a special day. So it's Daniel O'Sullivan 22 Meadow Green, the Meadows in Hollyhill, if you want to send along a birthday card. Now Bernie is sitting in once again for John Paul today, taking your calls at 1850 Anything you want to share with us, we would love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp 086 2103103 and texts already starting and WhatsApps already starting to come into the programme. Let me get to some of them uh, straight away. Marie says, Patricia, hope this message finds you well. It does indeed. I'm really annoyed, says Marie, by the level of greed in this country. Many businesses have passed everything on to the consumer. The consumer can't pay for everything. We were also affected by COVID-19. Thanking you, says uh, Marie. And that got me thinking, I, how, are many people seeing prices going up as a direct result of COVID-19? I mean, uh, this time last week we were talking about the businesses reopening and we were encouraging everybody to shop local and get out and shop local. We know that there are additional costs for businesses reopening. You know, with hand sanitizers, what they had to do, putting in perspectives screens inside in their shops. Some shops are even offering and handing out free face masks uh, to people. So obviously all of that comes with the, with the cost. So I don't know how much of that cost has been passed on to consumers, but Marie reckons, and obviously the fact that Marie has texted us and is so annoyed about it, she's seeing it in a lot of areas that prices have started to go up. So let us know if you're with Marie on that. Are you seeing prices going up? And is it is it price gorging? Is it is it, as Marie says, some businesses just being greedy? Or is it just small increases which we would expect to pay because of where the businesses find themselves in and the extra cost to them of doing business. I did hear about a case. Now, I don't know 
the hairdressing salon, except that I know it's somewhere in Cork City and County. That's about all that I know about it. I heard of a woman who rang her local hairdresser. Hairdresser is now, of course, back up in business from next Monday. And for people who want to go to the hairdressers, that day can't come quick enough for a proportion of the hairdressing community. They are delighted because the industry fought quite hard and lobbied quite hard for them to open up sooner rather than the July 20th, which was the date in the roadmark roadmap uh, for opening up the country. That's when hairdressers were meant to open. But then there was a, quite a strong lob- lobby group to get them open sooner and the lobby group has won. Now I know some smaller hairdressers are not going to be that happy about it because only last week we had contact from some hairdressers when we were talking about the need for hairdressers to open earlier. We had some hairdressers saying back off on that one. We're not ready to open. We don't want to open. We're afraid to open. We want to hold off until the 20th of of July. So there is a kind of a bit of a split there within the hairdressing industry itself. Anyway, I digress. This woman rang her local hairdresser. She has an eight-year-old daughter who loves her hair. This little girl, her hair is her pride and joy, even at eight. And the little girl has been waiting and waiting and waiting to get her hair cut and wouldn't let Mammy anywhere near cutting the hair during lockdown and said no I'm waiting for the hairdresser to open so the mother rings up the hairdresser to, who obviously knows this little girl well because she goes to this hairdresser to get has been going to get her hair trimmed which is probably the most a little girl would at eight would have done so the mother rang up to make a hair appointment and got one of the first hair appointments in the first week of business to be told that sorry now we're not doing children's rates when we reopen that hair that wash, cut and blow dry will cost you €60, which is the cost of an adult haircut in this particular hair salon. And the mum thought, now, I don't know the end of the story in that I don't know if she's gone ahead with the booking or not. I think she has. But she just thought that €60 was very, very expensive for this little girl to get her hair cut. Now, it does seem very expensive but then there's the other side of me can see it from the hairdresser's point of view. You you really are in the initial phase, probably for the first six weeks, it's the seat you're booking. It's the seat you're paying for. And so many people want to go in and get their hairs done. I mean, hairdressers are going to be working flat out. It certainly is going to take six weeks, two months for, for the catch up for everybody who needs to get their hair done, done. So our hairdressers right to say that, that during that period of time, we can't be offering a reduced rate for children. We'll be offering, if you want to bring your child along, then you're going to pay the same rate because while an adult could be sitting on that seat having her hair done. Now I know somebody will say, but hang on a tick, an adult getting a wash cut and blow dry will take much longer than a child going in and getting what would technically be a trim and a wash and a blow a blow dry wouldn't take as much time. But anyway, there's two sides to it and I'm interested to see what side are you on? Are you on the side of the hairdresser saying yes, the hairdresser is absolutely right in that initial period, but then it must stop when everything comes back to normal. You can't be charging sixty euro every time your child wants to go in for a trim. But are the hairdressers right to do it at the start? Or would you say no? These are the customers, they're loyal customers of the hairdresser, they should be looking after their young clients uh, as well. So your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. And then Jill got on to me early yesterday. This is a WhatsApp that came in yesterday uh, to the programme uh, to say, Hi Patricia, hope you had a good weekend. I did indeed. I was thinking of when Mass is allowed again, which again is another one that's been moved forward the 29th of June. Uh, churches we know have been open for private prayer a couple of hours, a few times a week. 
but from next Monday churches now can still open their doors and they're kind of back to as normal as they were well as normal as any life can be before COVID-19 but they'll be back saying mass from the 29th which is next uh, Monday anyway that's what Jill is pondering about and says I'm wondering how are they going to choose who can attend and who can go into the church say 100 people turn up for mass but with social distancing the church can only hold 40 what will happen then surely they're not going to ask us to book a place at mass says uh, Jill well I can I can go one further than that uh, Jill okay some of the smaller churches with social distancing maybe are only able to hold 40 but the majority of our churches are very big churches and when it was announced last Friday that we can go back to places of worship from the 29th of June and masses can now go go ahead a number of people were quite annoyed to hear that for church services only 50 people will be allowed to attend mass from June the 29th. Now that will rise to 100 from the 20th of uh, July. But Neffet have decided on this 50 for indoor events and an indoor event obviously is going to include uh, people attending Mass. Now some of the churches have come out quite strongly against this and says it needs to be looked at to the points that I read in the papers today that Leo Varadkar is going to ask the coronavirus expert group to examine the prospect of increasing the number of people who would be allowed to attend Mass on uh, a Sunday. The former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern says shops, some of them smaller than many of our churches, often have way more people inside than what you would be able to get in a large church with social distancing. Bishops and priests are also calling on the government to review it. Bishop Kevin Doran of Eltham said the restriction made absolutely no sense where churches are concerned as it's not even remotely based on the physical distance or the size of the church. He said the church has been extremely responsible throughout the lockdown and is now calling on the government. Please clarify the matter very soon as people have been working extremely hard to prepare for the return of public mass. And I also saw and heard the Archbishop of Dublin, Dermot Martin. He was probably one of the first out when he heard only 50 would be allowed into a church from next Monday. He says it seems very strange that a church with a capacity for 1,500 people, which has been fitted out to conform with all the social distancing, they'd be well able to keep two metres apart. And he said, you're now telling us that only 50 people would be allowed into that church. While he said, we all see a situation in which large retail outlets are brimming with people. I was waiting for him to mention pennies, but he didn't. But when you see the queues that have been formed outside pennies and outside other retail stores, I think the man has a point. You know, people are rushing in to stores and they're certainly while there's signs all over supermarkets and department stores saying you know be respectful keep two metres apart but not everybody does whereas inside in a church it's probably one of the few places you can guarantee you can keep everybody two metres uh, apart and I also saw a priest apparently he was from uh, priest in Dublin I'm sure it was he was making the point that they you know they knew that they were getting close to the stage where they would be able to open up the church for Mass. So they've started working on preparing their church and working out with social distancing who could sit where. And he's got a very large church in Ballymon that can seat 1,700 people. So it's, you know, it's a big, big church. And they reckoned with the two metre distancing, they would be very comfortably able to seat 280 people allowing for the social distancing. And he said, now we've been told we can only welcome 50 people back into the church. Not making sense at all. But I think Jill raises another point 
point then that it's going to be a bit of a dilemma for priests if Nefet don't change their mind and say, no, we're going to stick with, with the 50, even when it gets to the 100 people from the 20th of July, how does a parish priest decide who's coming into Mass and who's not? I mean, are they going to have somebody at the door like we were all used to now at the supermarket with a little clicker thing, counting the number of people going in and then when they get to 50, number 51 is told, sorry, no, try tomorrow or come back come back next uh, Sunday or as Jill says will you will you book online will they will they issue some kind of a system whereby if you want to be at mass on Sunday then you book your space and then when all the tickets are gone for mass the tickets are gone it's just it's not making a lot of sense for sure particularly with the very big churches the smaller churches maybe yeah it's going to be harder for social distancing but then on the smaller churches they're working with a much smaller congregation anyway that they probably wouldn't need, you know, to be having over 100 people in it. But certainly the larger churches can hold uh, way more. 1850 333 103. Uh, Teresa says, Patricia, if you ask my opinion on mass, you can count them on your hand. It won't make any difference after lockdown. That's going to be interesting because a lot of the priests and the bishops are saying the amount of people that have started to access mass online way more than the numbers that attended church services. And they're waiting to see, will that now translate? Have people found their religion again during lockdown? Will we see an increase in the numbers coming in to the church? And whether or not the parishes will have to get ready for it and prepare for it. And then, of course, there will be events that have to take place like First Holy Communion and Confirmation where you are going to have huge numbers inside the church so the planning has to be put in place for that. 1850-333-103 Lines are open. Bernie taking your calls. Lines have been busy by the way so do bear with us. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. A word of warning to people on scam calls because this is a new one. Uh, first time I'm hearing about this. Rick and Buffman was on to us to say he got a call last week from Greece claiming that Rick had invested in Bitcoin and would he like to add more to his investment? Obviously our Rick has never invested in Bitcoin and wasn't interested in adding to his investment so he got off the phone ASAP. He then got another call from Finland. Uh, he didn't answer the Finland one. He didn't pick up on it and he's blocked both the numbers but it seems to be a new type of scan. Word of warning guys, uh, please be very, very uh, careful. Uh, and as the country is starting to open up, Michael is saying, look what's happened in Germany. The R rate was at 2.88 yesterday and it is rising, says Michael. We do need to beware. We need to be very careful of how this country opens up because we are just doing so well at the moment. But Michael is right. Germany's disease control agency are saying new cases of the coronavirus need to be closely monitored and I think they got a bit of a fright when they're reproductive. That R number rose sharply over the weekend. Of course, the R number is the number of people you meet uh, who you will pass the coronavirus on uh, to. And they had it under one as we have it, and for a long time we've had it under one in this country and then it's gone to two and it's gone to 2.88 which is very close to being three which means every case of COVID-19 they will go on to affect nearly three uh, people and that is a big worry and one of the big worries coming out of uh, Germany was the there was one very severe outbreak in Germany and more than a thousand workers at a slaughterhouse 
tested positive. So another one of these meat uh, factories for some reason uh, they we seem to get huge numbers when, when there is an outbreak I suppose because everybody works on top of each other. So there was a thousand cases and that was just out of one meat processing uh, plant, plant. Now on prices going up and have people started to know, n- notice prices going up? This was kicked off by Marie, one of our listeners to contact us this morning, reckons it is pure greed in this uh, country and that businesses are passing the extra cost of doing business now with the COVID-19 restrictions. They're passing it on to their uh, customers. A West Cork listener says, Patricia, prices, something is very wrong when you can see a difference of 75 cent in a kg of bananas in supermarkets. Something is very wrong with that. Somebody else is saying food. Has anybody noticed the cost of food has gone very expensive since uh, lockdown? That's from Abandon Listener. Is anybody else noticing that? John says, Patricia, on prices going up it's obvious that everything is going to go mad expensive it's an Irish thing be a millionaire in 12 month attitude imagine shopping in tourist spots next month any few tourists who will manage to get to this country will be robbed blind imagine what next summer will be like for instance I got my hair cut and it costs 16 euro I think that's pure theft says John how in the name of God can you justify 16 uh, euro for five minutes work, says John. And on hairdressing and the f- mother who's been asked to pay 60 euro for her eight-year-old daughter to get her hair washed, cut and blow dried after lockdown, the hairdressing establishment are saying we're charging adult rates, we don't have kids' rates for until I suppose they get their backlog of customers dealt uh, with. The listener says, I don't agree with that at all. At the end of the day, it is only a child who's getting her hair cut. If I was a hairdresser, um, I think I would do it for nothing. It's disgraceful. You should tell that mother to go somewhere else. What is the world coming to? She should take her custom and go somewhere else. 1850 What else is coming in on costs? Um, Mary in Dunmanway says she feels food has become very expensive since COVID-19. She also says hairdressers and beauty salons are certainly going to cost a lot more when they reopen because they'll be able to say additional cost of doing business what they have to put in place. So prices certainly in the beauty industry according to Mary are going to go up. Okay and let me put in just an interesting WhatsApp that came in here from Dan in Mallow with a suggestion and this could be good for the tourism industry. Dan says, hi, we have a camper van and we love touring Ireland but it can be very hard to find any campsite particularly during the very busy periods of the year. So, Dan has a suggestion. Why don't the hotels and guest houses that have big empty car parks allow camper vans to stay overnight? They've massive space outside and no one would enter the hotel and the food and the drinks could be delivered to each camper van. So the hotels would do business. The occupants are segregated from each other so there'd be nothing about social distancing or passing on COVID-19 to anyone. This could actually help to open up the country to thousands of customers for hotels and B&Bs and guest houses even large pubs that have car parks. They could deliver drinks out to the camper van tourists. Thanking you, says Dan in Mallow. You should put your suggestions through to fall to Ireland and see what they uh, make of it. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And to Dan in Mallow who was looking for camper vans and saying, you know, hotels should open up car parks and it isn't always possible uh, to find a camp site with availability. Meg says the West Notch Hotel in Bantry, they have camper van parking. I did it last year, says Meg. If uh, Dan is looking for a suggestion of some place to go with his camper van. Thank you for that, Meg. And we were talking about businesses charging extra because of COVID-19 and because of costs associated with COVID-19. A text in saying, Hi Patricia, my small fella had to go for a hearing test. The hearing test cost €145. On the receipt, there was an extra €15 added for PPE gear. Now my child and I were offered no PPE but the audiologist doing the test had a full gown and mask. 15 euro seemed very excessive to me for that. And that's exactly what you're paying for. You're paying for the audiologist who has to put on the gown and the mask. And 15 euro does seem expensive. And I know some dentists are also doing the same thing. We've heard of, before we even start to come out of lockdown, we heard of dentists and there was additional charge for their PPE gear even though a number of listeners pointed out that whenever they went to the dentist before COVID-19, a lot of their, all of their dentists were wearing, you know, visors, face masks, gloves, etc. So they couldn't see why they were suddenly charging for something that was there all the time. So yeah, you can expect to see costs like that added on. But €15 does seem a bit excessive for one for one gown and one mask but maybe that's what the audiologist will say that that's what they're paying in order to get them in. 1850 Now concerns have been voiced about the future plans for the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway after a Green Party TD said the road is not going to happen in the next five years. Joining me with his views Cork East, Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor. Good morning to you James. Good morning Patricia, and, thank and, you for having me. Well you're, you're welcome. Now firstly just in your opinion, how important is this motorway for the region? It's critically important for the constituency of Cork East. Um, I'm elected to represent Cork East now since February. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're very much acutely aware of the fact that there's an enormous infrastructure deficit uh, within the constituency. Uh, and I've been on your show before talking about many of the different issues, whether it's our secondary schools and our road infrastructure as well, Patricia. And we started to see a certain degree of momentum in the last 12 months where plans are starting to be put in place to deal with these issues. Uh, the Cork Metropolitan Transport Area Strategy, which deals with the expansion of public transport and transport in general in Cork, uh, is beginning to come online, and, and there are plans to accelerate that under the current programme for government. But something that we can't get away from is the fact that we have an inadequate national road infrastructure uh, that's affecting uh, the North Cork region and the East Cork region. And these are issues that I'm committed uh, to, to going, into, going into government and hopefully solving. Uh, during the lifetime of the next government. Yeah, and in a few months' time, I'll be 30 years sitting in this seat doing doing this programme. And I think the, the motorway issue is one of the issues I probably did in the first couple of weeks that I started doing this programme and the need for it. So it's, it's something that is long, long overdue. Were you concerned to hear the comments from the Green Party TD, um, Oshin Smith? Yes, I was, in all honesty. Um, it was flagged to me by one of my assistants that's working with me that the, the comments had been made regarding road projects. Uh, and I think initially, initially uh, they, they were, uh, I suppose, they were very much, um, they set off, set off a, a red flag to a lot of Fianna Fáil TDs throughout the province. 
But since then, I, do, I want to just welcome the fact that O'Sheen he came out and actually clarified, as you probably be aware, I just send up yeah, he's yeah, after. he's he, he he came out and said that well, it won't be finished in in five years. Yes, so that was that was the clarity that we required and we needed uh, just to just to I suppose to alleviate the concerns that many of us did have. It was a point of contention within the government formation talks. Uh, I know Fianna Fáil uh, very much had it as a red line. I'm sure this went away as well. Uh, that they, they were speaking that the project would remain on the National Development Plan. And the greatest concern that I would have uh, with, with the proposed review of the National De- Development Plan was actually going to be the MA, sorry, the M20. Uh, and, you know, I do want to welcome the fact that the Greens have come forward, they have clarified that statement, and that was the clarity that I required just to ensure... Yeah, but, ja- but James, we also know that the Greens would prefer a rail corridor between uh, Cork and uh, Limerick. And I heard Eamon Ryan speaking only yesterday on it. And, you know, and again, he was pushing forward the, the rail corridor. I mean, is there a, a danger that once they're in government that they would push for it? Well, we now have the commitment from them that that's not going to happen. And we very much required that over the course of the weekend. Between Friday and today, Monday, this Oshin uh, was actually on the week in politics again uh, yesterday on RTE, where he again clarified his statement. I think that he did actually offer some degree of an apology, uh, and I think he realised that that his words actually carried a lot of weight in regard regarding this project. You know, it's the biggest infrastructure project in the in, in the province of Munster under the next national development plan. It's critically important for people that I'm out there representing, and for me as a Fianna Fáil representative, I very much want to see this go ahead. North Cork needs the investment. We know this project is going to deliver in the region of 5,000 jobs and cut the journey time between Cork and Limerick as well. And unfortunately, Patricia, and I, I want the Greens that are, that, that are elected, uh, you know, just, there is no Green TD for Cork County, but I think that they need to be aware, uh, and I, I want to set out and do that as a rural TD, uh, of the dangers that are currently exist on the current roads. Uh, it's one of the most dangerous roads in the country, and this does need to be addressed. So it's a very, very important priority for me. And where where are we at with the pro- with the the project? I mean, it's already um, progressing, isn't it? It's it's progressing. So what we're expecting to see is that uh, there's been three million euros has been allocated by Transport Infrastructure Ireland, uh, and they're working very closely with Tim Lucy's team and Cork County Council, uh, Cork City Council, and they're also working with Limerick, Limerick County Council as well, just to ensure that this is this is being advanced. You know, it's, it's going to be very very important to see that that will happen. There's going to be public consultation that's going to be held by the end of this year. Uh, and what we're expecting to see is that the motorway should be completed sometime later in the decade, around 2026-2027, uh, when we will see it being operational. And that is the hope. It's going to be do we, do we expect to see it for the Ryder Cup in Adair? I think it would be fantastic <laughs> to see some, some portions of it open, but that, that just does happen. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I just kind of bounced off something interesting you said there, Patricia. Like, I, 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 had to, I secured a meeting uh, with Michal Martin last week to actually discuss this issue before Oshin had actually said anything. I had okay. a lot of reservations about working with the Greens and government. And, uh, you know, we did actually speak about the rail link between between Cork and Limerick. And as listeners are aware, you have to go up to Limerick Junction in order to get get into to, to, to Limerick from Cork. And I was asking about the possibility of the direct rail route being reopened again between the two cities. Uh, and we also spoke as well, I've, I've been on your show speaking about the, 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 the potential for a rail depot to be located somewhere in North Cork around Bosseton and Mallow. And we've got a chance to discuss that as well. I very much welcome the opportunity for that to happen. But I just want to make sure that, that uh, people are aware that this project is going ahead. I am very much out supporting it. I, I've made my, my views fundamentally known, perhaps even gotten in trouble for being so forthright in those views. 
uh, for, for, the, for my, my own requirement to see that this project is safe and it's not going to be accurate okay. from any review of the National Development Plan. Okay, and uh, this is the week where we'll, we'll find out for sure if Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Greens are going to form a coalition and be our next government. How confident uh, are you of going into government with Fine Gael and the Greens? I think that the vote on Friday uh, will, will be very, very close. Um, of course, some people may, might be aware each party has its own individual voting system to actually ratify and pass this. Uh, for Fianna Fáil, what we're doing is this one member, one vote. So we need 50% of the vote uh, plus one in order to pass it. But I think the real... The real uh, Do you expect that to pass on your own party? I would expect it to pass okay. Fianna Fáil. You know, I've been engaging with the members uh, for the last couple of days as well, just trying to get around to as many of them as we can. To and it looks like again. Fianna Gael will get it over the line, which means it all hinges on the Greens. I mean, some of the rumblings over the weekend, the Greens need to have a two-thirds majority. That's exactly it. And I think the greatest deal of concern uh, amongst a lot of people out there is that that, that that won't be achieved. I'm confident that they will get it over the line. Um, I think the consequences of it not happening would be would be devastating for the Greens. I, I think that you know, there is a lot of talk of what would happen if this fails. Uh, we could be looking at one situation. Actually, Michael Healy Ray raised the prospect yesterday that the independence could be brought back into the fold if the Greens do decide to back out. Uh, and that wouldn't that wouldn't form a stable government. It would be very very difficult given the the, the, the numbers that will be required. Um, however, you know, at the end of the day, we do need to ask ourselves the question: Do, do the electors do, do they want another general election? I fundamentally think that they do not. Currently, at the current moment in time that we're at, the country is facing a lot of uncertainty. And I don't think in the short run that short run that would be the best option. So look, I would be hopeful on Friday that we will get a, a, a clear picture uh, that we would be electing a Taoiseach on the Saturday of this week at the Convention Centre uh, in hopefully Michal Martin. And I want to wish him well uh, if that does come to pass. But it's going to be a very, very, very uh, nervous week for a lot of public representatives yeah. to see where exactly this is going. Okay, we will we will wait and see. In the meantime, uh, James, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you for joining Good morning to you. That is uh, Deputy James O'Connor, uh, Fianna Fáil, old deputy for Cork East, 1850 with he says the good news that the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway is going to go to, go ahead and the Greens are not going to uh, block it. I can see some texts coming in. Not everybody happy about the Greens going into government but we've got to wait and see until Friday before we know for sure if they are going to go in because you know, the Greens need two thirds of their membership to agree uh, to it and there was certainly a lot of rumblings at the weekend of some Green Party members not happy about the idea of going into government even if you look at the programme for government it does look like it's got a green stamp all over it but some Green Party members reckon that it hasn't gone far enough. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now I want to go to the phone lines where Biddy is in Kilavollen and she joins me. Morning to you, Biddy. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Now you found a parrot. I know, <laughs> yesterday morning. Okay, do, I, I, tell me what I happened. I, I was at the kitchen and then looking out the window, the next thing I saw this big bird. And I thought, God, I'm seeing things. So I went out to investigate. And yeah, it was a parrot. He's lovely colours. He's um, light grey. And his breast is lovely, um, like a terracotta colour, you know, lovely orangey colour. And um, and a white head. 
Is it is uh, is it a big bird? Is it a, is it a big bird? Is it a big parrot? <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's a bit bigger than the pigeon. I'd say it's a oh. young bird. Okay, and it it was in your garden, just yeah, just on the um, uh, telephone pole on the top of the pole there, and then he came around the back, and he was up on the on the television areas at my brother's house because he lives next door, and. Um, yeah, and he took pictures of him because I can come close to him because I'm feeding him, I suppose. But as soon as I try to put my hand out, he he just backs off and he's got this um, tag on his leg. And I was trying to get the number, the number, you see, and he comes close and then he's scared of the cats and the dogs. If he sees the dog, he's gone. Yeah. So, um. I have to lock them in while he's around. But what the worrying part is really is the sparrowhawk and the, the crows. They really are, are they, chasing him off. Like. Are they? Mm. And, and it's he's a lovely bird. And, and yeah, I'd say he's intelligent. I mean, he's cute enough. I didn't think I'd see him this morning. And about um, 8 o'clock I heard him calling me. He was on the pole waiting for his breakfast. Yeah, he's, no, he's yeah, they're very intelligent. He knows that this is Biddy's is the house yeah. for the food. What are you what, what are you feeding him with? Well, it's like a mixed uh, seeds. Um, you, you you buy them and you put them on um, yogurt and things like that. You know, you get them inside. Yeah, it's the, what you put out for the wild birds. It's, it's the yeah. same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, more or less, like. Yeah, and I and I, he, I don't know a lot about about birds or, or parrots. How far do we know? How far a parrot would travel? It obviously got out of the its cage, and is yeah. Do we know how far it would travel? I don't know. Well, um, my brother after he putting up the picture, he got a call from a friend of his, and he's about five miles the other side of the village, and he said he was around there last week. Oh. So, yeah, he must be out for a while. So I'm trying to, you know, get closer to him. And if I could just, just as I'm about to put my hand out to, on him, he backs up. He's gone, he's gone. And, and if, I, if, I, you I did manage, if you did manage to catch him, would you bring him indoors? Well, if I managed to catch him, I'd be able to get the number and and get him reunited with his because I'm wondering how long I mean a parrot that has been probably raised all its life in a cage how long would it would it survive in the water I don't with our weather I don't think so I mean wet and windy and you know yeah they're not designed for our weather are they no well um, there's a lot of barns around where I live now and things like that so he might be staying there at night time I don't know so he was out this morning for his breakfast, and is he, he is, is he gone off now? Because it's ah, oh, he's gone off now. <laughs> He'll probably come back now later. You know, looking for a bit more. I've seen him around the fields, you know, on the grass and whatever he's trying to pick up. I suppose. Yeah, but again, I suppose instinct kicks in. I'm wondering, a caged bird, do, do, does he know how to find food? Outside of calling to Biddy's for his breakfast because he knows there's this free breakfast there. Do you know what I mean? Would he be able to hunt? Would in instinct probably would, would kick in. Anyway, so we're, we're, we need advice from bird experts anyway just to see is there anything else you could be doing even though you seem to be doing everything perfectly well. And yeah. in the meantime to get the message out that we have this grey parrot with the terracotta 
yeah. colour on the chest. Yeah. And it's in the Kilavolan area, but you reckon yeah. it could have been even five miles outside of the Kilavolan area? Yeah, yeah, it could have. Yeah, I, I, I don't know of any place only Fort Ireland, but he wouldn't have come that far, would he? I've I have no idea. I have no idea. The storm, oh, you see. Okay, listen, you know, we, we'll keep in contact with you and if we get uh, any advice, um, yeah, it's, yeah. somebody's saying if you got a photograph, because you, you, your brother got a photograph of the bird, can you, yes, zo- can you, can you, a, can you zoom in on the number on the tag? Is the photo that clear? Would you be able to no, zoom in? No, no. See, no, he, okay. he's, too, he's too clever. And Ma- Michael and Mallow was saying if you got a fishing net, and lob a fishing net down over the parrot. She might be able to catch yep. it that way. But would I? Would I scare the, the life? I, I know of you're trying to. Yeah, you don't scare the. You don't frighten the life out of me. Either, but it's just to yeah. catch him to try to get the number because the, the number we definitely would be able to find the owner. Yeah, okay, we'll keep we'll keep in contact with you, Biddy, and we'll pass on any advice that we get. And in the meantime, try and get the message out about this parrot and see if we can reunite it with its owner. Listen, Biddy, yes. good to talk to you. Thank you for that. And you too. And Thanks, keep Patricia. keep feeding that parrot. Okay. I will. You look after yourself. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three lines open. Pat was listening uh, to us talk about the missing parrot or the found parrot and uh, how Biddy said it had only come to her it wouldn't come to the brother her brother um, but then I think it's because Biddy has started feeding the parrot the parrot they're, they're intelligent birds but Pat says the parrot will only go to a woman why? because we all know our own says Pat well Pat wash your mouth out with carbolic soap you little puppy does anybody know says another listener where you can buy a Kinsale smock in West Cork please my god I haven't thought about Kinsale smocks in years and I am wondering are they even still on sale I hope they are they're apps they're the most comfortable garment to wear now there'll be probably a cohort of people who won't even have a clue what a Kinsale smock uh, is. It's kind of an over-the-head kind of a jacket. It can be worn as a jacket or you could, you could just wear it over jeans. I certainly, any ones I had, I used to just wear them over a pair of jeans and I used to absolutely adore them. I had quite a few Kinsale smocks. I don't have one uh, left and they're really, really hard-wearing. I'd say if I still had the Kinsale smocks that I bought all those years ago, I imagine they'd be as good today as the day they were, they were bought. They're really, really hard uh, wearing. Anyway, does anybody know Kinsale smocks, where are they on sale in West Cork? Please let us know. A listener wants to buy one, obviously. 1850-333-103. Hi, Patricia. Can we stop this debate, please, of trying to form a government from three parties, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens, when clearly the people spoke in the last election and the vote that vote has been completely sidestepped. I say, go back to the people and let the chips fall wherever they may. Now, that's uh, interesting. Thank you for that. There's no name in that text, but thank you for, for your text. Because whenever we talk about forming a government, and remember, this has been going on since, what was it, the 8th of February was when we had the general elections. It's been going on uh, since then. Whenever you talk to politicians, you will always hear them say, nobody wants another election. Nobody, the people do not want another election. We have to form uh, a government. So it's interesting that you say, have another election. And I'm wondering, is there now a sense amongst the people of, let's have another election? But then you'd have to stop and think, how in the middle of a pandemic could we hold a general election with social distancing and all of that. Would we be crazy to even consider holding another election? But I'm I'm interested that there are obviously some people out there who feel because the politicians seem to be, as this listeners say, sidestepping the results from the February election, do we need to go back to the people again 
And would we get a different result this time round? 1850-333-103. I welcome your thoughts on that, please. Hi, Patricia. Do you know if Airbnbs are open for letting? And are there any guidelines read the cleaning of such premises? Thanking you, says Nora. I I absolutely know for a fact that Airbnbs are open. And I'll tell you how I know. Simon on The Breakfast Show, who's on a week's holidays, bless his heart, he was meant to be in the States. But that holiday obviously got uh, cancelled. So he's off for this week just staycationing at home but I know himself and his lovely wife went away at the weekend and they booked an, an Airbnb in Kinsale and so and how what, what's the cleaning guidelines the cleaning guidelines would be I'm assuming the very same for the Falta you know Falta Ireland brought out all the guidelines for the hospitality sector so obviously Airbnb would fall in under that but in the main if you think about it all of those Airbnbs and hotels and guest houses and the the standard of hygiene, certainly in this country, is very, very high. I mean, they well know how to clean a property before the next person moves into it. Now, are they doing additional cleaning? They probably are. But yes, absolutely, Airbnbs are open if you if you if you want to get away somewhere. Uh, Nora, now I don't know if they're all open, but certainly there are a percentage of them opening. Tim says when Leo Varadkar is rumbling about helping out religion and the church, you can be sure we're very close to an election. Says Tim. So Tim reckons that. Uh, this is because Leo Varadkar has come out and said he's actually asking Nefesh, the our expert coronavirus expert group, to look at the prospect of increasing the number of people permitted to attend uh, a church. That's when the church came out and said 50 is too small a number. Tim is saying that is an indication that there is an election afoot. Actually, just on religion and the amount of people inside in churches and i Somebody was saying, are we going to get to the stage where you'd have to get a ticket to get into Mass if they're only allowed 50 and then from the 20th of June or July they'll be allowed 100 people into a, a church. And, you know, people are saying, well, will we book online? Will we have to go down to the parish to the parish office beforehand and get a ticket and then when they're all gone, they're all gone. A little bit like a sellout concert. Is that what it's going to be like to attend Mass? Nolan Kilmurray says, Patricia, on the mass regulations and who will be allowed into the church when there is a number, a limit on the number of people that can go in, I think we can all find the answer in the Bible. Uh, Matthew twenty sixteen. So the last shall be first and the first shall and the first last for many, uh, for many are called but few are chosen. Let me read that again. The last shall be first and the first last for, for many are called but few are chosen I hope this helps have a great day and that's from Noel in Kilmurray who knows his Bible thank you for that uh, Noel Hi Patricia on hairdressers and charges Tim in, this is a different Tim this is Tim and Yall uh, who says they are a greedy bunch and should not be supported. They were already overcharging and fleecing the public. Now, Tim's own personal experience. I've been charged €15 a haircut every two weeks. I'm now cutting my own hair and I'm actually doing the way I like it. I'm going to continue to cut it myself. Perhaps I'll go to the hairdresser once every six months. Yes, and I'll be saving a lot of money, says Tim in uh, Yall. Well, I certainly would be back with my hairdresser and I, I don't think my hairdresser is overcharging in any way at all. But for Tim, Tim feels €15 Euro for his quick haircut every two weeks is too much. Well, well done if you're doing well cutting it yourself, uh, Tim. Good luck with that. Uh, Mass Online, oh, this is about people going back into the church. Mass Online has done no benefit to churches, says this texter, because people now are getting used to sitting at home and watching the Mass. Will people see a need to go back into church now that they're used to staying at home? I wonder, was it a good idea, says this texter, put, to put the Mass up on a line? Oh, I think it was a very good idea because I think people would, people who were sometimes daily communicants and people 
and certainly very religious people are really missing going to their own church and going to Mass and people have taken great comfort from having Mass online. I certainly have heard and have spoken to people who weren't even regular churchgoers who are finding themselves now during lockdown with more time on their hands actually logging on and picking a different church every day and taking great comfort out of getting Mass online. Will it, will it have anything to do with reducing the numbers when churches reopen only time will tell Hi Patricia I'm just wondering how the priests are going to manage the distribution of Holy Communion with the two metre distance in uh, place thank you for keeping us updated every day Uh, well that's my pleasure Um, they've already been issued with guidelines they they won't be allowed to give communion on the tongue anymore it can only be given onto the hand And the guidelines I read last week, and it's for the priests and for the ministers of the Eucharist giving out communion, they will have to clearly hand sanitise their hands on the altar in full view of everybody in the church so that everybody going up for communion will know that the priest or the minister of the Eucharist, whoever they go to for communion, they will see that they will have hand sanitised their hands before they hand out the communion and the communion can only be given into the hand. Now, I know that's not going to give great comfort to everyone. Some people were saying they didn't like the idea of somebody handing them the host onto their hand. We had a woman last week who said she'll go back to Mass. She's missing Mass. She's looking forward to going back to Mass, but she won't go to communion if it's going to be handed into her hand. Actually, tomorrow we're going to have a priest join us. Father Tim Hazelwood is going to join us on the programme. I'm interested to get his views on the the 50, the limit of the 50 on June the 21st, going to 100 on the on the 20th of July and how it's going to work. And also interested in his thoughts on the handing out of communion. Because as I mentioned last week, I saw a couple of months ago when Italy started to reopen their churches for Mass for the first time, I saw a priest and he had a Holy Communion dispenser that he held over the person's hand, pressed a button and the communion popped out. It was like a cylindrical uh, dispenser. I, I, no, I don't know how widely available they are but there are other ways of doing it I suppose was what I was um, but there will be some people who will just be uncomfortable of somebody handing them uh, the host for sure you won't be on your own Tricia why are people so intent on giving out to shop workers I was in Cork City yesterday and a woman in the queue was giving out because she had to wait too long we were all in the same queue. We all had to wait. The staff are only doing their job. Having said that, I think I'll only I, I, I don't know when I'll go to the city again and I'll only go if it's absolutely necessary and then the best way to do it is to have your list, know what you want before you go, go to the shops that you need to deal with and then get home. Yeah, And of course if you can do it all locally try and do it locally. Mary says Hi Patricia, have you any idea when bingo halls are due to open? I have a friend of mine in Clonakilty who is very anxious to know. As of now according to the road map, the bingo halls are due to open on the 20th of July and then when it comes in on the 20th of July there will be 100 people will be allowed indoors once the two metre social distancing remains in uh, place so you won't be able to have any more than 200 or any more than 100 at a bingo hall and I don't know because I'm not a regular bingo goer so I don't know is that enough? Would there be a, would there be more than 100 inside in a bingo hall? But certainly when it reopens on the 20th of July that's the figure it's going to be 100 and again a little bit like what we've been saying with the churches the first 100 in and that'll be it they'll just have to close their doors they won't be allowed to have any more in uh, than that Uh, on prices going up Patricia I was disgusted recently to see that a local well-known garden centre was charging 2 euro for single bedding plants that were sold in the past number of years for 1 euro each that's a 100% increase. 
disgusted with it, says this uh, listener. Podrick in Glamworth says, Patricia, you talk about prices going up. Well, I can give you an example of how prices have gone up. Uh, a month ago to do the Safe Pass certificate for most outdoor work, the charge was €115 Euro with a company in Cork. That same company is now charging €199. Euros. That's nearly a 100% increase as well. That's crazy, isn't it? I really am disappointed to hear. I really, really am disappointed to hear of prices like that going up. That's just frightening. And this, Marie, the listener who's kicked off this debate, said, you know, we've, we're all living through COVID-19. We've all been affected by it. Many people have lost their jobs. Many people are out of work. People don't have the money uh, either. You wonder how businesses will survive if they're going to go down that route. Whatever about, I think everyone accepts prices will go up slightly. But going up nearly 100% or nearly 100% is not making any sense to me for sure. Uh, you know, we, we're just... you. You can, we can all protest uh, with our feet, just move to another shop, go somewhere else and try and find somewhere else that isn't price gorging. I mean, something going up by 100% is price gorging. There really is no need for that. Hi, Patricia. My granddaughter, who has a medical card, tried to get an appointment with a dentist. She tried five different dental surgeries before she finally got an appointment. Dentists are now saying that they won't take medical card holders because of the extra expense of PPE gear. My argument is that they always wore a face mask, they always wore gloves and depending on the treatment they wore a a full face shield and that was before COVID-19. Why are they now starting to charge for uh, them? 1850-333-103 Keep those texts coming in uh, to us and Bernie of course is taking your calls some of your calls coming in. Oh, thank you. Boland's Craft Shop in Kinsale. They sell, they sell Kinsale smocks. OK, Boland's Craft Shop in Kinsale, which I assume has now reopened because that would have been one of the smaller shops that would have reopened with all of the retail shops last uh, Monday. Last Monday week, isn't it now? Boland's Craft Shop in Kinsale. Thank you for that. Um, the Eileen and Tim in Ballyclaw used to love going dancing to Laharan Cross. Uh, Eileen says it would not be a good idea to bring back the bands and just have people sitting in their cars you could just go along and listen to the music she says a lot of people used to just sit in their cars anyway and they weren't going for the dance the dancers got out and danced with those people who just came for the social side of it and just to sit in, in their cars I saw a piece on the TV actually from my hometown of Clonmel and a hotel I know well uh, Hotel Manella it would be on the outskirts of Clonmel a beautiful be- old style hotel it really is gorgeous and they've lots of grounds it's fabulous for weddings and gardens etc but what they did was they brought in uh, some bands it was Louise Morrissey and they had some other bands uh, in as well and they invited carers from the area to come they sent out invitations to carers and they all parked up in their cars and they had them in the car park and they had them on their lovely lawns as well and then the hotel passed out little treats and you know little snacks and stuff uh, for everybody inside in the car and the bands played away and they had a fantastic afternoon of uh, entertainment some people got out and stood by their cars and had a little bit of a boogie but most people just sat in their cars and just enjoyed the music and I thought what a lovely terrific idea now they did it they didn't charge or anything like that but is there an opening for a business for businesses to do that we know there's the drive through movies 
could could we do it with bands as well because people are missing their music now you know if you wanted to get out and just stand by your car and have a little bit of a dance you could but other than that just sit in your cars even if it would, you weren't allowed out of the cars just to get out and to listen to live music and it would also wouldn't it be an opening for the bands who have been so affected I mean that the, the entertainment sector I mean, literally overnight, they went from having work to having absolutely no work. And even with the hospitality opening up again, I mean, nobody knows what a wedding band and the dance at a wedding is going to look like. Are some weddings going to decide not to have the dance side of it? And, you know, so certainly those bands have really musicians and singers and DJs have really, really been affected by the restrictions. So maybe someone could, could come up with an idea like that, have venues where people could drive in in their cars and pay, you know, you know, people aren't looking for it for nothing. And it certainly would be some work for the musicians, uh, for sure. Thank you for that, Eileen. And Frank in West Cork says there has been so much talk about support our frontline workers and our greater frontline workers has been. Well, listen to this. A traffic warden called to the area around the Mercy Hospital on Saturday and ticketed 43 cars. One of them actually had a disabled sticker up on it but wasn't parked in a disabled bay. Why? Because all of the bays have been taken up by the army tents that were erected in and around um, the Mercy Hospital. Some of the cars were hospital staff who had no, no choice but to park outside the hospital. Oh, imagine coming out at the end of your 12-hour shift to discover that you've also picked up a parking ticket. It's an expensive day at work for sure. And Tom in Butterfield is very angry. Why is Tom in Butterfield angry? He's angry because Carami has been cancelled for this year. He said they're allowing car boot sales to start up again next week. What is the sense in that? And Tom, I, d- I don't know how many other people in Butterfield are with Tom on this because certainly we've carried interviews about Carami and trying to get the message out to traders and trying to get the message out to horse dealers and trying to get the message out to the travelling community not to come to Butterfield that uh, Carami is not going ahead this year. And certainly we were hearing from people in Butterfield early on in the lockdown who were worried that people would just descend on Carami on the 12th of July. So Tom, I'm surprised to get your call this morning, but maybe you're not on your own. Maybe there are other people in the Butterfield area who are also disappointed and would like to see Carami go ahead this year. But God knows, Tom, how would you do social distancing? Anyone that's been to Carami will know what an event like that looks like. I mean, are we just asking for trouble? Would we be just bringing COVID-19 in the vengeance into an area that doesn't have any cases of COVID-19? Would we be bringing huge, you don't know who would travel to the event. We don't know who would have COVID-19 and we just bring it with them. And we just, would you be just asking for trouble, Tom? 1850 Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Cronin Electrical are looking for a qualified electrician while Mia, Maria Goretti that's a nursing home in Kilmallock they're looking for a chef part-time relief work and for holiday cover and an office assistant is wanted in Charleville no I need to read that again office assistant that's the name of the company in Charleville they're looking for an experienced bookkeeper slash office administrator you need to have experience in Sage and Big Red Cloud and a staff nurse required for relief work uh, plus one day per week to cover maternity leave commencing in August. That's at St. Gobnitz Nursing Home in Ballyagram. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Senior Line, Ireland's National Confidential Telephone Service for Older People, has analysed data over the past three months and concluded that social personal and environmental factors all combine to play an important role in mental and emotional health as we grow older. Anne Dempsey is the communications manager with a senior line and Anne joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Great to talk. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Talk to you. Now, what sort of an increase in calls, firstly, have you seen since lockdown? A very big increase, Patricia. In the very early days, we had a 200 plus increase uh, week on week. And as people, I think, were in shock, we began attracting a whole new cohort of callers who wouldn't necessarily have phoned us, who wouldn't have defined themselves by their age and were very taken aback to suddenly finding themselves uh, regarded as being frail and in need of protection. And they phoned sometimes to voice their indignation, to voice fears, to voice concerns. So they needed a lot of support at this time. And we still had our traditional caller, people who were kind of more used to being on their own and who kind of phone us constantly for kind of company and reassurance and all of that. So there was a big increase in calls initially. And that has dropped somewhat, but we'll still be up. I'd say, like, we had 10,000 calls last year, Patricia. I would think we'd be, you know, heading near the 20,000. Wow, this year. wow. Yeah, yeah, Did many yeah. of your callers resent the term cocooning? Hugely. Yeah, we got that as well here to the programme. You see, it's a lovely kind of word. It seems all kind of soft and fluffy and cosy and nice. But the reality is 
you're on your own maybe uh, you have nobody to talk to you have somebody needs it so kind of people to do your shopping for you but you lose a huge amount of independence and autonomy Did did some older people cope better with the restrictions then than others? Yeah and that was what we were kind of saying Patricia that these these new callers that began that phoned us they kind of marshaled themselves a lot of them and you know got on with the programme very, very quickly. And we find that, that the people who had family and friends, who had a garden, and a kind of an inner resilience, a kind of a more positive attitude to life, and were used to coping. I don't like the coping word, it seems judgmental, but do you know what I mean? That mm. those people really found their stride and began to do quite well quite quickly. Yeah, like we regularly were checking in with um, Eileen, uh, a listener on the who was a cocooner out, out on the Bear Peninsula, out on Bear oh, Island. She yes, was living out on the island, me. and her positive attitude yeah. is just incredible. But she set herself goals and tasks, and she had this ladder of things that she had to do, and she was ticking them off. And she's but it was her attitude was amazing. Yeah. I love that, the ladder of, 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 of activity. And what we did, Patricia, is for the volunteers and for, like, to relate to the callers, we sent twice daily updates around information, news, what they needed to know, new service coming on board. But for the volunteers themselves who are all older people, we began doing that. We began, we sent kind of some motivational information, information about stress busting, information about taking care of yourself, resilience, all of that, because it, it, it was just, I mean, our volunteers are giving psychological and social support to our volunteers, but they need it themselves as well sometimes. So supporting them to support others. A listener wants to know, was it unfair on very healthy, active older people to ask them to stay indoors for three months? Yeah, I think, I suppose the short answer is yes, but, which is a kind of an Irish answer. (laughs) I mean, we got got calls from a lot of older people saying, you know, this isn't me. I'm out there. I'm a very, I'm very involved grandmother. I'm a volunteer. And I'm suddenly, you know, thrown away as if I don't matter, as if my contribution isn't important. So for people like that, it, it, it kind of seems unfair. And yet we do know the heart and mind of the government was right and mm. caring. It was, I think it was the way the message was expressed, Patricia. It was kind of, as I say, expressed very quickly as if this didn't matter, that this wasn't hugely significant to a whole cohort of people. And there wasn't sufficient discussion or debate around the implications for older people, what it meant for older people, what it meant of, about how older people were perceived uh, and their place of belonging in the community. Now that older people are going out and getting, you know, doing, able to do their own shopping and inviting people in, can that in itself cause worries? Yeah. I think it's very easy. The first message was the easiest. Stay at home, protect the health service and stay safe. Now, if you're telling people, you know, for months, the only safe place is at home, and suddenly they can now leave home, what does that mean for unsafety outside? So we're having to reassure an awful lot of callers now. It is okay to go out, talking about, again, the things we began with, the washing of hands, the masks, the social distancing. And we are kind of encouraging people to go out and discussing with them how to go out almost. It sounds ridiculous, I know. Mm. But how to go out, the quiet roads to choose, when they might shop now that they can shop for themselves again, which many of our callers find a great joy, I have to say, understandably so. And about, you know, 
um, that it, you know, choose your time in the supermarkets. It will be okay, you know. You know, maybe just go for a small shop. Just getting back incrementally and slowly. And in fairness, supermarkets have been great and I've been in many a queue for a supermarket and an older person joins the queue and the person, the security person at the door, they come straight down and they, they let the person in. They just, you know, bypass all the queues. And I've never once heard somebody say, why are you leaving that older woman ahead of everybody else? Everybody yeah. understands. And it's great. It's great to see it. It is great, but you can't please people because we have had calls from those same old women saying, you know, <laughs> that they put me over the top. They said I was old. and like, Oh, no. <laughs> well, I never thought of that. Somebody taking offence to it. Well, kind of. Again, I don't know that I've said this to you before, Patricia. There's a sentence I absolutely love from Groucho Marx. He said, I'd never want to belong to a club that would have me. <laughs> It's that piece, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I often, uh, as a family, we talk about. I've got an aunt living over in England. Wonderful, wonderful woman. No, she's she's since has reached her 100th birthday but two years ago we were organising some kind of a family event over in England she was 98 at the time and we were making contact with her to tell her what the arrangements were and it didn't suit on that particular day and we asked why she said that's my day for volunteering with the old folks yeah, and here she, at ninety eight, and she wasn't is, missing her. But you know, it was she. She wasn't one of the old folks. She was one of the volunteers. But then, listen to this text that I I got in on Friday, and when I knew mm. you were coming on today, I said I told it. It says this came in late on the program on Friday. It says, "I'm wondering, is there anybody else out there like me? I don't want visitors now. I used to love people calling to my house. All kinds of people, children, older people like myself, anyone at all. Come in, have a cup of tea. The kettle was always on, but not now." I don't even open the door anymore. I'm nearly 70. Now, the virus has probably caused this. Somebody suggested calling and I actually told them a lie to get out of them calling to my house. I don't, by the way, live alone. I do have my husband, thank God. But I'm happy and we're both happy in our own home. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah, you see, you can can become institutionalised very quickly. I know it's a negative kind of word. And, you know, okay, there's a lot in this, isn't there? When she began to say, I don't want people calling, I was wondering, was it that she was fearful? It seems not. It feels that they've kind of got used to their way and they're happy together. But I do feel I can understand it and we have calls like that as well. But I think for her mental and emotional health, we're we're, we're social beings, Patricia. Mm. We do need to be connected. And I think the public and community at large need to see older people back out amongst us as part of who we are. You see, I, I do believe society, we lose out in society by not having older people out and about mixing and socialising with us. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's a no-brainer, really. I mean, I can understand what you're saying. We've had calls like this. People have kind of got comfy and cosy and you're in your own place and you don't have to be social or making tea or making meals. And, you know, yeah, I get it. But I would be, when we get calls like that, we discuss it and we discuss why people feel like that. But we do encourage people to kind of to begin thinking wider and begin remembering the life they had mm. and what they did get from other people and from other social occasions. And I do think it's quite it's it's quite okay to say if you are medically very vulnerable or are you somebody in the house who's very vulnerable I think I've absolutely no problem saying to people please don't call I'm you know we're continuing to cocoon we want to, to cocoon but as I, as I said to that woman when I read out the text on Friday there's a big beautiful world out there and there's lots of people out there that want to interact with her as well I think you've made a really important point if people are still 
unwell, if there's an underlying condition which meant that they had to stay in in the first place, and if, uh, and, and if somebody's caring for them as well, you're, you're going to be terribly careful of the person you're looking after, and you're going to be terribly careful of yourself, you know, and that's hard, and you'll do what may, helps to make you feel safe. At the same time, even that person may be a quiet walk and a quiet road, something like that, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a absolutely, one, isn't absolutely. It? Don't, yeah, mm. don't just give up on everything. And even though no. it's it's lovely that she has her husband, and they're obviously at peace with themselves and in their own company, in each other's company, and in their own company, which is lovely. But yeah. like, like, there's a big, beautiful, there's a big, beautiful world out there. Somebody wants to know: Is Anne advocating the wearing of face masks when out? Well, um, Anne is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not kicking to touch, but Anne is saying that the advice right now, as we know, is to wear face masks if we're on public transport, if we're into an enclosed place, like when we're shopping, or if we're in a situation where we cannot be happily socially distanced. And I think that is the best advice. I do think the mask message was kind of poorly handled, lots of mixed messages, mm. and people didn't know where they were, and we're now getting much more consistent messages. Okay, and some people are really missing out on their daycare centres when they used to go and they still live for the day. And actually, I have a very poignant email. I'll I'll hopefully get to it later in the programme from a a family who are, they live with their elderly dad and just the effect of his one day a week being taken away away from him. Would you like to see, yeah, would you like to see, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Would you like to see those sort of start back up again in, in some format? Absolutely. We all know the value of those uh, a daycare centre for the person, for the family, for everyone involved. And, you know, they're kind of quasi-medical settings. So I imagine of all places, they might be in a position to set up something that is kind of medically safe. They'd be so aware, you know. Yeah, and you can do the social distancing and all of that. And you know what I mean? And they're not huge numbers, you know, go to the daycare centre. We're not talking about hundreds of people descending you know, it's no, they probably manage it kind yeah, of on, yeah. on, on different days and all that kind of thing. Okay. Now, yeah. And do, do you think we have to learn from this crisis and, and make sure that older people are treated more fairly almost? Well, one of the things that we were saying in the third age, my organisation, Senior Line is one of our programmes, is that, and it's the question you began with, Patricia, that older people are seen as kind of, all, all very frail and vulnerable. Now, we're, we're not the only organisation, but we have over, over 3,000 older volunteers, all delivering socially useful programmes. And what we were saying is that in we, we tend to prepare for an ageing Ireland in quite a negative way, talking about the cost and all of that. I think we should be talking about what older people give and continue to give and look at ways of encouraging that, asking for more older volunteers, getting our bus, our our, our public transport services, you know, particularly in rural Ireland, you know, better if we possibly can, so that old people can be older out and about and engage more. And like seeing older people as the bounty they are, not mm. as a burden. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the telephone line for Senior Line, Anne, if people want to contact so you? It's a free phone number, Patricia. We're open every single day of the year from 10 till 10. And we're 1880 4591 and we'd love to hear from you. Okay, and as the and as the people answering the phone lines are seniors themselves. Very much so. So, so you you're getting you're getting a, a great listening ear. Listen, you do fantastic work at Senior Line and at uh, Third Age. Always a pleasure to speak with you and we'll speak again and you look after yourself and thanks for joining us today. Too. 
Thanks Good morning so to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. And Dempsey, uh, communications manager with uh, Third Age, who operate Senior Line. 1 800 80 45 91 from 10 in the morning to 10 at night. If you feel you need to talk to somebody, reach out. They are, they're a terrific, terrific bunch of uh, volunteers. Long may they continue. 1850 333 103. Uh, Joan in Baradoff wants, wants to know is it okay? to give a lift in your car to uh, your friends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would be saying the good cough etiquette. I wouldn't be picking up somebody who, or somebody who you think is unwell. If you're feeling unsafe, wear the face face mask, but the you know, cough etiquette, washing the hands and all of that. Uh, but certainly as restrictions are being moved, if you need, if, if you need a friend, a friend needs a lift and you need to help somebody out. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now last Friday on the programme I spoke with 16-year-old Michael Keane from Cove who had used lockdown to make a f- short film that has now been taken up by Amazon Prime Video. And this morning we speak with a West Cork student who has launched a new food company, Tim O'Driscoll, who is based in Skibbereen, joins me to discuss Fastnet Foods. Good morning to you, Tim. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. Um, yeah, congratulations, by the way, on your company. You spotted you. a gap Thanks. in the market. Tell me what you're producing and how it all came about. So um, my business is Fast and Foods and we produce baking mixes. Um, we have six different products uh, or seven different products. Uh, the crumble, uh, brown bread, scones, flapjacks, uh, chocolate cupcakes, gluten-free crumble and uh, chocolate chip cookies and um, the idea came about when I was doing a home ec project for Junior Surf. Um I had to bake a chocolate cake and when I finished with a when I finished the product project I had uh, various different ingredients left over and at the time um, I wouldn't do that much baking so they'd just be left in the cupboard and they could go off or um, so one of the items could have went off unless uh, they were used by family members. So I just thought, what if you could just buy a mix um, that would have all of, all of the ingredients weighed out for you and you still had one or two ingredients like water or butter. And so, yeah, that's... So and no, no potential waste of ingredients because I think yeah. all of us can identify with every couple of months clearing out a food cupboard and at the back there's like that. There's, you know, think, when did I open that? Or that's gone, the sell-by date has gone on it and we all end up throwing it out. So, so well done, well done. And you have a great range uh, with your seven different uh, items. Where are you selling your mixes? Um, we're selling our products um, in stores around Cork. Um, and then we sell it online nationwide on our website. And what's the reaction been like? Um, it, in store, I started off in stores and in the first 10 days I sold 1,000 mixes. <laughs> and um, online, uh, is, is, there's, a lot, there's a lot of orders online as well. So. And where are you producing well. and making them all? Um, I'm actually making them at home. Uh, we have like a side kind of apartment place. And we've taken all the furniture out and put stainless steel tables in, and we're making it there. And the, your packaging—I was looking at your packaging online. Um, talk to me about where you sourced your packaging. What I particularly like is it's reusable. Yeah, um, I've tried different packaging like bags, and um, I just like the idea of containers because you can reuse it for storage as well yeah. afterwards. 
and um, yeah, I just thought it looked, I thought it looked different as well on the shelf when I was trying it out. So that's why I kind of chose the containers. And where are you getting those made? Um, they're coming in from uh, the UK at the moment, um, but yeah. And you've yeah. no no problem sourcing them. Everything's okay, and so, uh, yeah. yeah, everything's fine. So um, and have you always had an interest in baking? Uh, yeah, I did home ec up to junior years, and I enjoyed that. But uh, I really enjoy business as well. So that's the one of the key parts of it. But I do like I do like enjoy baking when I have time. Yeah, and it's a combination of the both, isn't it? Yeah. Just setting up a business and having an interest in baking. And I, and I'm also told it's not your first food company. You had an ice cream business when you were ten. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> farmers market. How did that come about? Um, I I think I was just, I don't know I was in the farmers market and um, I was talking about make, putting up a stand and then mum and dad. Uh, mentioned about ice cream and then we just, just one day we decided or one summer we decided to try it out and then I tried it then for one or two summers um, we kept it going and it did quite well um, and yeah I was 10 years old so and our mum and dad business people uh, yeah they they both like business um, dad has his own business and mum is like she helps out with both me and dad and what's dad's business uh, auctioneering. Okay. Um, I'm just saying because if he's listening, he, if he's listening, he's there saying, "Would you give a plug to my business as well?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- th- this is a stupid question to ask you. I was going to ask you, are you missing uh, school? The fact, but you obviously you've been so busy over the last three months since lockdown. Have you missed yeah. school? Um, with COVID, uh, just sped up everything since I didn't have any school or homework, so it just helped kind of to. Um, get the final product finished and try and get into stores it helps and are you transition year or are you what class are you in oh uh, I'm in transition year transition year okay so you go back then into fifth year fifth year yeah okay so yeah and actually Michael Keane who spoke to us about the film he made he's transition year as well I think it's kind of helps if you're in transition year but did you have you did you miss out a lot like Michael was saying he missed out and, and they were t- to do tours and trips and, and stuff had you covered most of what you would hope to do during transition year before lockdown came yeah I had a, I had a lot of stuff covered that uh, I planned out beforehand I, and so I was just lucky that I had it done before lockdown happened Okay, you were you were okay. And your long term goals then, Tim? Um, I hope to get the products nationwide in stores and um yeah, just and then if we if it goes well, maybe worldwide. <laughs> um no, but nationwide is probably good for now anyway. And a great name for the company, Fastnet Foods. Yeah, it's a nice local name. Yeah, it's terrific. It's terrific. Listen, uh, and is it somebody saying is it is it just local shops around Skibbereen where Tim is selling his products? Uh, no, I'm in, I'm in Cork City as well, so um, I'm all around Cork really, and then online for anywhere else in the country. And it's fastnetfoods.ie? Uh, dot com. Dot, dot com. Dot com. Okay, listen, Tim, we wish you the best of luck, and we will. Thank you very much. We will follow your career with great interest. Thanks. Uh, and listen, thanks a million for joining us.
Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. There's a, uh, a one, another wonderful young entrepreneur, Tim O'Driscoll. Keep a lookout for his mixes under the brand name Fastnet Foods. And it'll get you baking without any potential waste of ingredients. Terrific idea. 1850 I need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. A lot of comments coming in. I'm going to get around to them all, I promise you. Uh, we have, it is Monday, so Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, will join us. So if you've got a question for Annalise, you can start getting those into us, please. You can call Barney at 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp a question to 0862 103 103. Questions, please, for Annalise. If you want to keep those uh, coming into us, she'll be joining us after half past 12, 1850 You can give Bernie a call with your question or you can text or WhatsApp me to 0862-103-103. And Tim was listening to his uh, namesake, Tim O'Driscoll, uh, in the last hour talk about that young student who set up his own company. And Tim says, nice to see the name revived. The old fastened foods, according to our Tim, who regularly texts the programme, was part of Aaron Foods back in the 60s and 70s. I did not know that. So thank you for that. So yeah, absolutely lovely to see the name uh, revived and great to see a young lad, isn't it, with that entrepreneurial uh, spirit and uh, we wish him luck with his uh, company. Tony was on. Thank you, Tony, for your call today. He was in Cork City. Uh, he found a VW key in the Lee Fields yesterday. Oh God, I hope that didn't ruin somebody's uh, day out. He handed it into Toker Guard, Guard the Station. If anybody lost a VW key, the Lee Fields yesterday or heard of somebody losing a car key, Toker Guard, the station, looking after it. Catherine and Ross Garbery, her seven and her husband are both uh, retired and they're obviously looking after themselves and they're nervous about COVID-19 and they're trying to protect themselves. But she's noticed a lot of foreign cars in the area of late, a lot of cars travelling from England and there's also a number of European uh, cars and she's questioning why they are being allowed in. Well, they are being allowed in, but they're meant to self-isolate for two weeks. But I don't know if they are or not if Catherine's seeing them out and about on the roads maybe you're seeing them as they're landing and they're going to go to whatever wherever they're staying and they will self-isolate for uh, two weeks but yeah a sense of nervousness when we see people from outside our area for fear that they're going to bring COVID-19 in and just I, I came across this over the weekend it was the Echo actually ran with it it's a, a detailed breakdown of all of the confirmed COVID-19 cases across the city and county of Cork because we've been constantly getting questions about do we know how many cases are in a particular area now these are the all of the cases from when we first started recording cases back in was it March we had our first case of COVID-19 so it doesn't mean that all of these cases are active at the moment most of these people would have thankfully fully recovered sadly some of them will have passed away but the vast majority of them because we know the vast majority of people do do get better and do go on to be okay after COVID-19. But anyway, what they, the Department of Health have done is they've broken down the cases for all over the country into the different electoral areas. So it shows, for example, the and, and looking at this list, this seems to be the highest area was for Moy. There was two, there has been 200 cases of COVID-19 reported from the Fomoy area since the beginning of the outbreak. 116 were the urban area and 76 were the rural area. And then other parts of North Cork, 22 cases were reported in the Rathgormick area, 5 in Kilworth, 15 in Mitchellstown, 45 in the McCroom area, 31 cases in Mallow. And that was across Mallow, 
South Urban, North Urban and Mallow Rural uh, Divisions. Then in West Cork, 55 cases were reported from the Clonakilty Urban and Rural Areas. 15 cases were reported for Kinsale and 8 for Bandon. In the East Cork area, 21 cases have been recorded across the Middleton Urban and Rural Electoral Areas. 18 for Yall and 22 for Cove. Significant number of cases were also reported from suburbs around the city. 57 cases in Ballincollig, 36 in Douglas and 33 in uh, Carrigaline. And then there was a number of areas where the, the numbers were too small to report. So these were areas that would have had maybe one COVID-19 case reported, but less than five. And they include... Cape Clear, electoral area, Bantry, Ballycotton and uh, Carrigny-Navarre. And then in the city, at least 60 cases were reported across the six uh, electoral divisions in the Bishopstown area, 18 in the Farron Ferris divisions and eight in Knocknaheeny and nine in the Montanati area. In total, since they started recording cases, we've had 1,533 across city and county. That was up to uh, Monday at night. And of course, the cases, thank God, are falling all the time. There was just an increase of four cases on the previous uh, week. And then sadly, the deaths show, Central Statistics Office show that 49 people in Cork died with uh, COVID-19 since the beginning of the outbreak. And that was up to the 12th of uh, June. Uh, And up to Friday night, I think it was, there was three people with COVID-19 receiving intensive care in hospitals in Cork. So the numbers thankfully are falling. falling. But they are the total overall cases, as I say. The majority of those people, they're not active cases anymore. They have recovered. But it's interesting to see the break. There's very few areas, I think, across the city and county where there wasn't at least one case of COVID-19. But we do. We're doing really well. But we just need to keep it going. And I suppose Catherine Ross Garby then fearful of people bringing in COVID-19 into the uh, area. Okay, a number of people commenting, do we need another election or not? Christopher Inyall says, if we can't form a government this week, we should turf out all of the TDs and let the civil servants run the country. It appears civil servants have been running the country quite well during COVID-19. Do we need TDs uh, at all? According to Christopher Inyall, we don't. If they can't get it together now, then we need to get rid of them. And then some of your texts coming in on whether we need another election or not. Absolutely, says somebody, we need another. This is Claire. Thank you, Claire. Absolutely, we need another election. It's only the politicians that that don't want another election. It can be managed in the current circumstances. You just won't be able to have them all canvassing and knocking on your doors. And there are some people, Claire, would actually welcome that. The country can't afford the Greens in government, according to Claire. Ireland alone cannot fix climate change when the US and China don't take it seriously. Kind regards. That's from Claire. Thank you, uh, Claire, for that. Hi, Patricia. The people do did not vote for the Greens. Sinn Féin got a lot more votes from the Greens than the Greens do not want them in uh, government. And Michael says, Patricia, hi. Fianna Fáil, the party with the most seats after the, uh, the last election, if they fail to put a government together and the party with the most votes have failed to try 
the party with the next most votes have failed to try and put a government together that's Sinn Féin, then it's very obvious that it will be back to another election. And there is no reason why you can't hold an election at the moment in time, even during a pandemic. Everyone is free to travel within their own county. No different than it was back in February. Social distancing is a joke of an excuse for stopping an election. Just look at Grafton Street when pennies opened. At this stage, it is the only answer is to go back to the people and have another election. I'm surprised at the number of people who are actually saying that. And actually, there was some... There was some they were WhatsApps. There were some texts in as well, very much saying the same thing. And a number of people, I, this is interesting, a number of people are saying if people will use the argument, oh, you can't with social distancing and how would you ever have an election? How would we be able to go out and vote? A number of people are saying, well, why not have a postal vote? Is that not the way uh, to go? If you, do, if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to do it during a pandemic, then surely we could have a postal vote. There are ways to hold elections. OK, that's some of your thoughts coming in on that. 1850 number of people still talking about mass and... The fact that, according to Neffert, we'll only be allowed 50 people inside in a church when Masses are allowed to go ahead from next Monday. John and Clonakilty, on the 50 people allowed to go to Mass, the only way out of this would be extra Masses. I know we're very little priests, but it certainly would be a way around it until the number rises to 100 in July, says John in uh, Clonakilty. West Cork listener says, after a while, the Masses online will not fulfil your Sunday obligation. So we'll, we'll then see how many of those online armchair mass watchers will actually go to the church itself. Says a West Cork listener, only time will uh, tell. From WhatsApp, a listener says, I for one am really looking forward to being able to receive Holy Communion again. I will be going back into the church as soon as uh, possible. Hi Patricia, on the Holy Communion I normally have to avoid some of the ministers for the Eucharist. Why? The stink of perfume from their hands is just awful. It shouldn't be allowed. Will this problem now get worse? Well, we're being told in the recommendations and what they've been told to do, they're going to have to the priest and the minister of the Eucharist in front of everybody on the altar rails. You'll have to clearly see them use hand sanitizer. So will a hand sanitizer, because hand- I've just hand sanitized my hands in this. There's no real smell off it because they're all alcohol based. So if somebody did have perfume on their hands, I suppose it would take away. Even though, oh, who would have perfume on their hands? It's just maybe from they're putting it inside their palms and it's leaking onto their hands I'm assuming it, that that's the reason this is where the smell is coming from but certainly if they're using the alcohol wipes maybe it'll take that smell away so maybe it'll get rid of the problem for you let us know when you go back to church if the smell has uh, disappeared and Ed in Dunmanway rather tongue in cheek says morning Patricia I can see Ticketmaster selling tickets for mass if we're only allowed 50 inside in the church. Can I just stay on Mass for a moment? Does anybody know, because Jill wants to know, if the St John's Open Air Mass, which is due to be held on the 24th of June, does anybody know, is that going ahead? 24th of June is this Wednesday. St John's Open Air Mass, is it going ahead on Wednesday? If anybody can find out for us on that, uh, please. Graham in Newcastle West says, Morning Patricia. I went to visit a nursing home since the restrictions were lifted. I went along to see a neighbour of mine. Now, I was asked to wear a mask. I had absolutely no problem doing that. But 
says Graham. I was surprised to find none of the staff were wearing masks, which is ridiculous as the staff go home after their shift and are therefore out in the community and go back to work the next day. That's from Graham in Newcastle West. Now, I don't know what the guidelines and the rules and the regulations on wearing masks in nursing homes for the staff are, Graham, but I do know that from today it kicks in that all of the staff at nursing homes once a week will have to have a COVID-19 test and then the idea is if any staff member test positive for COVID-19 then obviously they'll test everybody else they'll test all, all of the residents but from today all of the staff will have to have COVID-19 tests so I suppose that's one way of you'll know for sure Graham, that none of the staff have it the fact that they will be tested on a weekly basis we mentioned Lauren Cross and wouldn't it be great to go dancing there Pat says uh, Patricia sorry about this now but it's all hogweed around Lauren Cross wouldn't it be great if we could cut it could you get a group together to get out and uh, cut it I wonder Maria on hairdressers and if hairdressers decide to increase their prices uh, Maria says listening to the woman that I heard about who was asked for 60 euro for an eight-year-old daughter to get her hair cut and the theory being that the hairdresser is going to be so busy when they go back in the first, I suppose, six weeks, eight weeks, that they're not doing it. They normally have a children's rate, but they won't be able to offer a children's rate. So if the little girl wants to come along and have a wash cut and a blow dry, she's going to be charged the adult rate. And in this particular hair salon, it is €60. Maria said, well, I've been thinking about that. I've got four children in my house. If they all needed a haircut, you're saying it could cost me €240 just to get my kids haircut. That's crazy and disgraceful to charge that amount. At the end of the day, we've all been affected by COVID-19. So hairdressers and other businesses that are opening up really do have to get a reality uh, check. 1850 Hi Patricia, I think it is so unfair that hairdressers are opening up on the 29th next Monday and not the driving schools. I did my theory test just before the lockdown and I actually passed it. I'm anxious to take driving lessons as soon as possible. When will the driving schools be allowed to reopen uh, please? If they're not reopening on the 29th, I'm assuming then it's the 20th of July, is it? Let me, let me hang in there and I'll, I'll get that checked for you just to find out for sure is it the 20th of July and I know that there's a push to get driving tests back up and running we're going to have a huge backlog of people who are looking to get driving tests uh, for, for sure somebody else is wondering about chiropodists are they opening there's no mention of them says Nora I would assume the chiropodists will open with the beauticians the ones that haven't already opened and I know we've mentioned this because we've had a few people contact us about chiropodists and podiatrists during lockdown and they were working on emergency appointments and, and I, I constantly was saying to people just contact the chiropodists but the podiatrists you have been using to see if they were already up up and running many of them were taking emergency appointments so I would suggest that you do that Nora but I would take it but I'll get it double checked I would assume that they're all opening um, fully from next Monday 1850 Bernie's taking your calls in particular we're looking for your questions for Annalise our nutritional therapist you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Churchtown Community Council they're fundraising to refurbish their community hall and they're asking people to donate a slate 
for a cost of 20 euro. For everyone who contributes 100 euro or over, there will be a draw for an Apple iPad worth 400 euro. You can donate online at www.ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. Focus Ireland are inviting you to participate in their Show Your Colours campaign, which is taking place from the 3rd through to the 5th of July. With very little inter-county sport or festivals taking place, you're encouraged to brighten up the community with flags and buntings and T-shirts and to support Focus Ireland. Register and send your photograph to events at focusireland.ie. And Gagan Clothes Collection, that's on again this evening between 7 and 8pm at Gagan Hall. The proceeds are in aid of Gagan Hall Car Park. And the Blood Transfusion Service Board, God, it's a long time since we've been calling out one of these. They will hold donor clinics by appointment only at Mallow GAA Sports Complex. And it is from Monday the 22nd, so from today through to Friday the 27th, so every day this week. To book an appointment, please call 021 4807491 if you would like to donate blood anytime this week in Mallow GAA Sports Complex. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Marion Fomoy has been on her husband's uh, anniversary is coming up and she wants to bring her family to the gravesite. She's wondering, is it okay to have a family gathering at uh, a gravesite? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what numbers you're talking about uh, bringing, but yeah, you're outside once you're social distancing. I mean, if you're all in the one household, you don't have to social distance. But if you're bringing, and obviously if it's a family gathering, you'll be bringing people from other households. But once you're socially distanced, I'd like for one can't see any uh, thing wrong with having a little get together at the graveyard just to remember your late uh, husband I can't see anybody coming and, and turfing you out but as long as it's not a huge number like 200 of you for example uh, don't uh, show up and hope it all goes okay for you Mary it's, um, anniversaries can be a tough uh, tough time uh, thank you for your call Hi Patricia do you know the reopening guidelines for the reopening of uh, cinemas. Well, I I assume it's the very same as it is for everything. Social distancing will still have to come in. I take it people will be, it'll be every second seat. A little bit like, remember they started doing social distancing very well actually inside in cinemas. I'm I'm assuming that the same thing will kick in, but obviously cleaning in all, I mean, if you're in any supermarket now, it's not uncommon to see young people going around cleaning. It's great to see it actually cleaning. I was in a, a supermarket the other day at the freezers, you know, the handles on the freezers and there was a young boy just literally young lad going up and down cleaning all the handles and the doors the the glass part of the mirror the glass part of the doors of the freezer and lots of cleaning going on so there'll just be additional cleaning going on and remember all these businesses have got to bring their A game because they don't want anything to go wrong that will force them back into lockdown so there's a lot of extra cleaning much more than was there uh, beforehand so I think you'll be be okay and cinemas are due to reopen from uh, Monday as well Leo and Douglas says attendance at mass should be based on the size of the church because some churches are huge while other churches are very small that you can't have one size fits all and Leo you're so right and your namesake Leo Varadkar I think that's obviously one of the points that he's going to make to Neffet because he's going to them today to examine the prospect of increasing the number of people permitted to attend to religious services and I'm sure that's going to be one of the arguments he's going to put forward you can't just say one number is going to fit for all churches because church sizes are so different and it's the same when you think about it with retail outlets the number of people that can go into a, you know many shops small shops on the on the high street for example on the main street can only allow two people in because they're small shops versus your bigger 
department stores, you know, they can have many multiples of that because of the amount of space they have. So it should be the same for the churches uh, as well. Let's wait and see what Leo Varadkar gets from Neffet with his push to examine trying to increase the numbers of people allowed to go into churches. Hi Patricia, do you know if anybody takes old broken iPads? I've three at home. I know people collect old broken phones but I'm not sure about iPads so let's put it out there. Does anybody know what this listener can do with broken iPads? I know we're hoping I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. We're hoping to have We Ireland, you know, the electrical recycling group. We're hoping to have them on the programme tomorrow because there is a bit of a problem with the amount of people that have done clear outs during lockdown. Lots of people have used the time to, you know, clear up maybe in the attic or under the stairs or to clear out wardrobes or dicky up their houses. Yes, I'm sorry to say some people have dickied up their houses and they've ended up with a number of items that they need to dump and of course the civic community sites were closed for so much of the time during lockdown and there's a fear now that illegal dumping will go on or that people will just throw them in for landfill and particularly with electrical goods we that if we can't find somewhere that can reuse the iPads then I certainly will be saying to you to drop them off to some place where they do electrical at recycling and say I'm hoping to do that tomorrow but in the meantime if anybody can knows of somewhere where our listener can bring old broken iPads or somebody that would have used for them it would be great to pass them on that they can go to get another life out of them or somehow be used. And a skull listener says, can anybody tell me please, is there any law around the wearing of a life jacket? People don't seem to bother wearing them. Look at all the sadness when somebody is drowned, says a skull listener. I don't know if it's a law. I mean, I would never go out on a boat without a a life jacket. Um, And so I don't know if there's an actual law or, or not, if anybody can tell us, somebody from seafaring people with an interest or people who have an interest in boating can somebody tell us is there an actual law that states if you're going out in a boat you must wear a life jacket or is it optional 1850 thank you to Anne who's contacted us to say this is to do with Biddy and her parrot that we mentioned earlier on in the programme they are not missing any parrots in photo uh, my niece works there and she's just told me but she did say to tell that lady to give the parrot peanuts and it might just let the lady catch it. Kind regards. Thank you for that. And so there's one for Biddy. Peanuts, please, for the parrot. Uh, but they're not missing one from Fota. And you were very good to contact your niece and find that out for us. And there's some questions there for Annalise. Keep those coming, please. 1850-333-103. And then a different Anne by Texas. Patricia, I was listening to your programme last Friday regarding the use of face masks. As a healthcare worker, we actually had to do a course on donning off and on of our PPE gear. I was sitting in my car yesterday and I was shocked at the amount of people wearing masks incorrectly. They were pulling them off and putting the same ones back on, hanging them off their ears. Some had the masks uh, on with their noses still out. Many were handling them and holding them while they also held their phones or took them down to speak to somebody that they knew. If masks are to be used, people should know how to wear them incorrectly instead of increasing the risk of infection if they never wore them at all. I just want to get this out there as it is a very important topic that awareness should be spread. It'll take you two minutes to watch a YouTube video and how to correctly handle and use masks. Thank you, says Anne. Well done. Well, and well done, Anne. And I have to say, it's the one thing that I keep noticing when I see people because there are more people wearing masks. I mean, we're still we're still at a very low percentage of people. I think that last they reckoned it about less than 20% of people are wearing masks. But it, it just, I, every time I'm in a supermarket 
and I see people handling at their masks, fixing them like that, taking them down when they want to talk to somebody or it's not over their, mo- their nose. I mean, the face mask is designed to be over your nose and your mouth. And it's one of the reasons why Neffet have said from the very start that they didn't want to make the masks mandatory because there's a danger if people are doing exactly what Anne has been describing, not putting them on and taking them off properly. They're at a higher risk of picking up COVID-19 if they come in contact with somebody and they put them on in order to protect other people and yet they're putting their own lives at risk by not wearing the masks uh, properly. So yeah, you're right. If you're going to wear a mask, if your decision is to wear a mask to protect, and remember you're wearing it to protect other people, not to protect yourself. So therefore, please don't put yourself at risk by not wearing, not putting on the mask or not taking off the mask uh, properly. I'm glad to give that a mention and thank you for highlighting that uh, to us, Anne. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. If you've got a question for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, please get it into us uh, now and you can text her WhatsApp 86 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 and let's go to the Health Hub in Times Square in Ballancolic where we're joined by Annalise uh, Giselle on what is a miserable old uh, Monday uh, afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. I think the gardens are happy though because it's been bone dry. So yeah, I'm yeah we, need, we need to find some kind of po- positive in it and hopefully it'll stop eventually and then the gardens will be fine. Okay. Well, actually, I put my raincoat on the first time to walk to work, Patricia, for Did the you? first time since I can remember. So yeah. just shows you we've gotten used to the good weather. That's true, that's true. And the, but the only thing is it's quite humid with it as well so it's hard to wear a coat, isn't it? It's just... True. Yeah. Okay, straight into questions. Hi, Annalise. How do you get rid of a cough? I'm using mucotone, but I still seem to have a lot of mucus and I'm just having trouble shaking it. Yeah, that's a difficult one, Patricia, in that it looks sounds to me like if you're producing an awful lot of mucus and it's not a viral cough, um, then it's possibly an allergy to something. And trying to figure out what the allergy is is always the challenge because it can be environmental, so it might be um, at this time of the year, particularly with mucus, there's a lot of grass pollen now. Um, it's been very, very dry, so pollen. Lots of people have been suffering very bad hay fever this year because of the dryness. Birch pollen is always a killer. Now that's just finished, so that that should be easing up for a lot of people. But the whole month of the end of May and the month of uh, the, the month, most of the June month of June is always birch pollen, and it's really, really bad for hay fever sufferers. So if it's if it's um, you know, worse than the summertime, it's likely to be hay fever mucus production. And you can take homeopathic remedies that are very good for that. And the Avogel company do a lovely one called Polynesan, which works very well and I get great feedback on it. Also, you can do something called Cursetin. Cursetin is a lovely one because it acts as a natural antihistamine, but also as an anti-inflammatory. So if you're producing mucus because of inflammation, it works for that as an anti-inflammatory as well. And that's spelled Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. But it's not the answer unless it's an allergic, you know, response yeah. to something. Sometimes it can be dairy in the diet, Patricia. I think in Ireland we have a lot of mould in our climate and a lot of people react very badly to mould. Um, so if you can try and isolate what's causing the problem. And then other than that, then the Dr. Claire mucotone works very, very well. But if it's not shifting it, maybe try an alternative like 
Plantago, which is very good for shifting mucus. Ivy Thyme is another lovely one as well for drying up. So maybe try those different products. Maybe something might work better for you. Okay. Hi, uh, Annalise. I'm on a statin for cholesterol. I'm feeling very tired and getting pains in my bones. I'm also on blood thinners. Is there anything from a herbal point of view I could take for the cholesterol while on thinners? So unfortunately, the the pains are often down to um, the cholesterol tablet making your body deficient in something called coenzyme Q10. And that can also... Um, thin the blood so it's not generally recommended to take it when you're on a blood thinner so in this and really that's the only solution Patricia because the pain and the aches in the bones are probably as a result of the drug certainly that would be the first port of call to try and see is it the statin drug causing the problem so you could try and switch to a different uh, cholesterol drug and see will that reduce the aches and pains or you can ask your doctor could you take the coenzyme Q10 certainly for a month or two, to see did it help negate the side effect of the statin drug. Keep an eye on the blood with the blood thinners. And if the doctor is aware of it, I mean, it's not it's not like taking a double dose of blood thinners, Patricia, but it does, like fish oils and like garlic, it will thin the blood slightly. So manufacturers are always very careful to make that recommendation. But if you take it with full, um, you know, knowledge of your doctor and being monitored, then that can be an alternative for the aches and pains for sure. Okay. Hi, Anne. Oh, this is this, now here's an interesting one. A question for Annalise, please. My almost two-year-old son is back at the childminder two days a week after three months at home. He's an only child. He is so upset, throws himself on the floor, bawling, crying. Now, the minute the, ch- the minute the childminder opens the door, it starts. Once we leave, he supposedly settles within minutes. He was always so happy to go there before. Is there anything we could give him before he goes there? I guess it's a little bit of separation anxiety. He co sleeps with us and maybe he just got used to our company during lockdown Now we try to be happy and cheerful as we arrive so I don't think he's picking up a vibe from us. Yeah I'd say that that's what it is I mean it's completely now that he has been so used to the parents being around and it's very normal I think a lot of um, a lot of parents probably experience the same thing and then of course as soon as the door is closed the children stop crying and, and they are happy out so but the parent doesn't see that so probably worries all day so it can be hard you could try one of some of the Jan de Vries does um, um, a range of child of, of essences for children. There is a lovely one called a child essence that's a really good one for children um, that are unsettled. There's also an emergency essence. Emergency essence is very good now. Say for example, if the child had a fall or a bad hurt and was you know a bit shocked, so it's probably better for that. But I think if you can't get your hands on the child essence, the emergency essence can often help as well. And there's also a confidence essence as well for children if they are, um, you know, if they're not, if they're a bit shy going into strangers or if they're a bit shy going into school, the confidence essence works well for those okay, kids. And it will settle. It just, it's, it's, re- it's really difficult. It will settle and he'll get back to being his happy little bunny, delighted to go into the child binder. But it's just, and there's a lot of parents are going to be faced with the very same thing as people start to go back to work because children are just getting used to the idea of mum and dad being at home all day. They are, and I asked my nephew the other day, are you sad that you're not going back to school? And he said, I don't care if I never go back to school. I know, so I know. Lots yeah. of them will be well used to the, the, um, the, you know, the new routines of mum and dad around all yeah. the time and no school, but it's good for them in the long run. Yeah, you know? so absolutely. It's just, I think some children took to lockdown better than other kids uh, did. Yeah. Okay, hi Annalise. Could you recommend a good all-round multivitamin for a 60-year-old female, especially to support joints and immunity? 
So now, I suppose, let me have a look, think and see. There are ones that you can get that are a little um, bit more specific for women. Um, and you can get ones that are over 50s. Like Well Woman does a 50 plus one that does have um, a few extra things in there for energy pathways. It's got some coenzyme Q10 in there for energy, alpha-lipoic acid to protect cells against blood sugars. And it's a general multi. And there will be zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D in it, so they'll all support the immune system. But there are no fish oils. There's no joint support as such in that. It also doesn't have a high amount of calcium in there to support bones. So it's going to be very hard to find one product that does everything, actually. Um, If it did, it probably would be a very big tablet. But the Well Woman 50 Plus is a good starter, and you could take a separate fish oil for joints and for bones and for health. Um, BioCare does a lovely one as well for women um, called FemGuard. Um, it's actually formulated for women during the menopause, but it is relevant for people ab- for women after that. And again, it's got lots of stuff in there to support bone, um, to support the immune system, and as a general multivitamin. But again, not massively high in calcium and no fish oils. Most Standard multis won't be very high in calcium because high doses of calcium, Patricia, can cause plaque hardening and ultimately heart disease in high amounts. So it's only really specifically given to people with osteoporosis. So either the Well Woman 50 is a nice one or the BioCare FemGuard and then do a separate fish oil for the joints. Okay, Kay in Douglas, is there a natural way to keep down your blood pressure? Kay doesn't fancy the idea of going on tablets. There is, I suppose, the, the biggest thing really is diet, Patricia, and there is a diet called the DASH diet, D-A-S-H, and it's a very low-sodium diet. If you Google it, you'll find lots of information on it. So following the diet, DASH diet can be a way of getting your blood pressure down fairly quickly if the reason that your blood pressure high is high is dietary. However, for a lot of people, it's not dietary, and sometimes we can never figure out why it's high. So I think to start off, one that would be worth trying is the... Um, is something called Cardio P, C-A-R-D-I-O, and then a big P. And basically it's potassium, and often that's what's lacking in terms of blood pressure management. So it's a bit of potassium and magnesium in that, and you'll be able to buy that in the health shop. They also make actually Cardio K, which is for bringing cholesterol down, Patricia, which is probably one of the best-selling products I've had in the shop ever, and it's very, very successful. So that would be another good one to try, the Cardio P, you can also get a really good one, um, but it's a, a, a more pricey one. But if you wanted to try the best to begin with, it's by a company called Nature's Plus, and it's an age loss product, so it's formulated generally for older people. And it's called Blood Pressure Support. Now, it is that little bit more expensive, but I would say to if you were to try that and it didn't work, then there's nothing going to work for you. Then you know at least at least I've tried it all and now I need the medication. Yeah, you, ha- you have to take the medication. What's the difference between UG and MG in pharmaceutical terms, says a listener? So it's all to do with concentration. So like you've got grams, milligrams and micrograms. So the millig- MG is milligrams and the UG is actually, um, it's actually mu. M- it sounds like the cat mu. Okay. Uh, it's, that's how it's pronounced. It looks like a U but pronounced mu and that's, Again, one thousandth um, less. So we go grams, milligrams, micrograms. That's how it goes pharmaceutically. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I have a two-year-old who's a very fussy and picky eater. Was always a great eater up to the age of six months. Will only snack now. I'm wondering, is there anything I can do to improve appetite and get proper nutrition in? 
Yeah, it can be hard, Patricia. And, and you know what? It, it's not even necessarily a family thing because within families, there'll always be one very picky eater who won't eat a vegetable. I think sometimes trying to get kids involved in the making of food is a big is a big incentive for them to eat it if they've prepared it. Um, so that can be a good way of getting them to, you know, eat different foods and, and eat, eat more healthy foods. Um, you can also hide vegetables in sauces. So like you can grate carrots and you can liquidize those into kind of tomato-based sauces for pastas. So there's lots of ways that you can hide those veggies. Also, maybe if you're very worried, is doing a smoothie. Now, I'm not a big fan of too many smoothies because they are high in sugar. But again, you could possibly hide, you know, something like um, you could maybe hide spinach and apple in a smoothie with some berries and you'll be able to get vitamins and minerals in that way. Um, I think kids are great as well for um, food on the go, Patricia. So it might be that you just have to prepare it for them and put it into their hands so that they can snack as they potter along and do their work. So that's kind of maybe cutting up the apple rather than give them an apple. I think kids love things like carrot sticks and, and, you know, things that they can kind of carry around in their hands and snack on rather than formally sitting down. So you could try all of those things. And again, online, Patricia, there's a wealth of um, ways of improving your children's healthy eating habits by doing these very um, fancy, you know, kind of food arrangements on plates. Yeah. Lots of different tips and tricks. But again, I think, you know, sometimes kids go through phases. So just making sure, even if they just have a good dinner every day, I think that can often be enough for growing kids. Stick with it. Mary says, hi, Annalise. What can be done for alopecia? Very extensive. Oh. Oh, it's a curse, Patricia. It's a very hard one to kind of find anything for as well. Alopecia is very poorly understood. Um, really, there's very little research has gone into it. It often happens in periods of stress, but there does seem to be some link with the immune system as well. So it can be an autoimmune where your own body's immune system is attacking the hair follicle. One of the ones that works the best for thinning hair and hair that's not growing back is the Norcrin. It's spelled N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. Now, again, this is a big challenge. Alopecia is the biggest challenge for Norcrin. It probably is only going to be maybe successful half of the, less than half of the time, I would say. Whereas for hormonal hair thinning, or women who are starting to lose their hair with age, it's actually very, very successful for that. Um, I would definitely advise going to see a trichologist, which is a hair specialist, because they will look into the autoimmune side of things, because it may be that you might need to treat it with drugs. Uh, if there is that autoimmune component. And then again, if it's a stress-related one, it's about, you know, supporting the body through stressful times. So one of the herbs that I absolutely love for stress is rhodiola. It's a very gentle and calming herb that when you're going through any period of busyness, busy life, or any period of, you know, grieving or um, relationship breakdown or anything like that, it's a lovely kind of a backup one. And another one to go with it is ashwagandha, which is spelled A-S-H-W-A-G-H-A-N-D-A, ashwagandha. That's, those two herbs together are wonderful support for stress. So maybe something like that as an underlying core support could help in the long term. OK, all right, we'll leave it there. We'll talk again next week. Thanks for that, Thanks. Annalise. <laughs> Have a lovely week. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic. Just a quick few texts. Pat was on St. Patricia. You listed out the cases, confirmed cases for COVID-19 since we started counting them back in March. I missed the ones for Formoy. Uh, well, Formoy has come out as the highest 
for Cork City and County. Uh, it shows that almost 200 cases of COVID-19 have been reported uh, from the Fomoy area since the beginning of the outbreak, 116 in the Fomoy Urban Division and 76 in the rural part of Fomoy. And uh, ma'am, um, somebody who signs themselves, a ma'am in Skibbereen says, Patricia, I'm just wondering about the back to school allowance. I received it last year without applying for it, but I'm actually worse off this year. I've heard nothing and I can really do with it. Do you know anything about it this year? Signed a ma'am in Skibbereen. I do. I can tell you that the, if you automatically, it's automatically paid to families so you don't apply. If you automatically got it last year, uh, you should automatically get it this week, this year. The payment is expected to be made the week beginning the 13th of July. You don't need to apply for the back to school clothing and footwear allowance. Uh, you only need to apply if you don't get a payment notification letter by the 6th of July. So you have until the 6th of July everyone who's entitled to it and if your circumstances haven't changed or in your case worse uh, you will get a letter by the 6th of July telling you that you're going to get the back to school clothing and footwear allowance and then it gets paid out on the the week of the 13th of July so hang in there uh, it'll be that letter hopefully in the post will start arriving out to people uh, fairly soon and hi Patricia I rang my GP for a prescription which is normally sent to the chemist but I was told no you must come to the surgery to collect it whoa I'm surprised to hear that anyway uh, I got there to be told it's only a one month prescription obviously I was looking for a three month prescription and to be told there's a fee of 20 euro per month is it happening to anyone else? I know they have been charged, most doctors' practices have been charging for a repeat prescription, but I didn't know monthly. It's normally a three month repeat prescription that uh, you get. Maybe it's, it's, an, it's, and of course, each doctor's practice, each GP practice is, is, is different but just to give that out as a word of warning it could be something that's coming in and may come into other practices uh, as well. Okay that's where I leave you for today and my apologies if I didn't get to all of your WhatsApps but the WhatsApp went down on me it's just now have, after coming back with a flood of WhatsApps on it so our apologies if we didn't get around to yours uh, today with a bit of a tech problem there whether it just went down. Okay gotta leave you talk to you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.